We thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving the writings of apostles and prophets for us to train us, to instruct us, to sometimes rebuke us, to exhort us, to encourage us, to instruct us in the ways of righteousness. And God, we come with faith. We, we right now come with faith to the written word of God, the Bible. And as we read some of the writings you've preserved for us, we pray that you'd speak to us. I pray you'd speak through me. And I pray, God, that you'd do that miraculous work in preaching where somehow, some way, you speak something from your heart to every individual in the hearing of the preacher. Would you do that today? Let your spirit be upon this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So two weeks ago, we started looking at the, the Philippian church. Uh, Philippi is a city in a region called Macedonia. Um, we saw two weeks ago the beginnings of this church to try to understand the very DNA of the birth of the church, what was in it from the beginning that is part of it um, throughout the, the story of the, in the Gospels and in the, I mean in the Gospel times, uh, the New Testament period. We saw how Paul and a small team of Silas, a young man named Timothy, and then eventually a guy named Luke who joined them at Troas when they heard from God to go to Macedonia via vision and minister there. When they got to Macedonia, they went to a city called Philippi. Philippi was a mini-Rome. It was a Roman colony. It was named after um, the Greek leader Philip of Macedon, King Philip II, if I recall right, um, father of Alexander the Great, for you historians, and uh, you can correct me later where I'm wrong on that, if I am. And it was like a mini-Rome. The people there were Roman citizens. Um, they had all the rights of Roman citizens. Some of the Caesars, in a brilliant move, gave land to some of their military adversaries after they conquered and won different battles and gave them a place to live. So it was like a retirement for military people. I guess that's Coronado, in some sense, has a lot of retired military people, right? Yeah? So it's a, so it, it's a big city, uh, a lot of people. Paul goes there with his team um, by a word of the Lord. They begin going to a place of prayer down by the river where there would be kind of like an outdoor amphitheater for prayer. And they begin talking. They find some women there that were Jewish believers or Gentile followers of the Jewish God in a pagan society, right? So they begin to tell them about Jesus. They believe. The first one is a woman named Lydia. She says, wow, my heart's been opened up. She responds to the gospel, and she invites them into her home, and that becomes the base of operation. She's a very wealthy businesswoman, and probably the church at Philippi started in her home, best we can tell. Um, pretty soon Paul gets in trouble, and he goes to jail. He's beaten and flogged severely um, because of some stuff that happened that you have to read Acts 16 about because I don't have time to tell you about it. But in the middle of the night, he is worshiping God with Silas. They're in, they're, you know, they're in the, the, the chains. What do you call those? The shackles, thank you. They're shackled. And they begin to sing to God, and God says, I like that, and sends an earthquake, and all their shackles fall off, and all the prisoners in the prison get free. It's a miracle. The prison door is open. The jailer comes in. He's ready to kill himself because he knows it's his life for the prisoner's life. They say, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. He calls for lights. 
He says, what do I do to be saved? So he believes in the Lord and his whole family. He begins to minister to Paul, and that's how a church is planted. It's not how we do it often today. We Americans have a kind of easier path, but uh, that's how Paul did it. And it became a delightful church to him. They partnered with him, and we're going to now start to read a letter that he wrote to them, and we're going to focus on one particular phrase in the, um, the opening of that letter about being partners in the gospel. Now, um, Paul talks a lot about his joy with these folks. The, the letter talks about joy and rejoicing and calling them to rejoice and him to rejoice in the midst of suffering a lot. What brings you joy? God? Oh, that was the right churchy answer. Anything else? But it's true, isn't it? You're not lying. Well, your grandson, yeah. Isn't that true? Anyone have grandchildren? Yes. Yeah. Does your grandchild bring you joy? Yes. Yeah. What else? What brings you joy? Yeah. Music absolutely fills your soul. Love. Fellowship. That's related with Paul. Well, you guys are all getting your thinking on. So let's open the, the Bible, your Bibles. This is in your notes, by the way, I think. I printed it in there, and it's on the screen. But if you have a Bible, that's even better. You open, especially a hard copy, you know. Uh, your phone's good, but I like a hard copy where you can circle and write and stuff. So let's read this. Paul, by the way, is now in prison in Rome. Um, Philippians 1 says, chapter, verse 12 says, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Listen to his positive attitude. For as a result, it's become clear through the whole palace garden to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly, and that gives me joy. So that, that's the context. Um, the Philippian church, by the way, knows that he's in jail, in prison, in Rome, under um, guard, in chains, and they have just sent uh, one of their guys. They said, let's send Samuel with some money and some resources for Paul and help him out. And Paul hung out with Samuel and sent him back. Actually, it was a guy named Epaphroditus, but that's what it would look like to us. So they sent him, and uh, he's... The occasion of this letter is actually it's kind of a thank you letter. You know, Dear Church of Philippi, just want you to know I received the money. Thanks a lot. And God's going to bless you. That, that's the feel of the letter. So, in fact, at the, near the end, he says, I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They're a fragrant offering. You guys, when you sent that gift to me, it's like worship to God. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God is going to meet all your needs, because I can't, but he will. God's going to meet all your needs according to his riches and glories. Um, and he writes encouraging words because they're suffering, and he wants them to have courage and joy like he has. So he writes this in, in the, first part, of the first, first part of the letter in the end of the first chapter. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Listen to this phrase. It's been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe in him, you've been given the gift of faith, so that you can really believe in Jesus, but also to suffer for him. It's been granted to you. Since you're going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So the context of the letter, this church, this community, is struggling with some kind of um, persecution perhaps. Maybe, he said the same struggle I have. Maybe some of them have gone to jail for the faith of the gospel. They are 
preaching a gospel that says Jesus is Lord. The empire is preaching a gospel that says Nero is Lord and Savior. So they are posing what's politically okay. We're running into that just barely in the United States, in Canada, in Europe, in North, in the Western cultures. We're starting to see some persecution, very, very minimal. But we're seeing some things where the laws say, you can't practice your faith that way. We'll stop you. That's the kind. And some people occasionally go to jail briefly. It could get worse. So this letter could be helpful for us in the coming years. I pray not, but if that happens, it will be granted unto us to suffer for the gospel like it was for the Philippians. Um, so now we get to the part that I want to focus on for what we're talking about today, the joy of the partnership of partnership in the gospel. So we'll just read the first 11 verses of the letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. Oh, I should say this, in case you're new to the Bible. You know how when you were in like second grade, you, well, maybe this happened to you, they taught you how to write letters? Um, there's the, the, the salutation, dear Johnny, and then there's the first part, you talk, and then there's an end where you sign it. And there's a form, right? And there's another form you learned for business letters. Remember, the, did anyone, hello? Okay, we're in the same. So there, that's, that's been going on for millennia. They have the same thing more so in the Greco-Roman world. There are whole treatises about how to write letters, and this letter actually follows the format of a dear friend letter. And in that format, you say who it's from, you put the signature at the front. Just set, so now you're set. If you're, if you're new to reading the Bible letters, that's why it starts like this. Um, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, and then to who it's to. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. So the church is, by this time has some kind of structure going on. They've got some elders. They've got some kind of official servers, the deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And he jumps now into the content of his letter. I thank God every time I remember you. Paul loves these people. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So I asked you, what brings you joy? Paul, this man of God, is brought great joy because of the partnership in the gospel of these people in Philippi. The fellowship, someone mentioned fellowship. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, when we started and Lydia welcomed us into our home and when I was in the jail and the jailer gave his life to Christ and washed my wounds and then we started to get together, when all that happened, he that began that good work in you, he's going to keep right on going and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, out preaching. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. And here's my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So let me just start out by asking this question and, and let you preach for a bit. What do you think partnership in the gospel, that phrase that brings Paul so much joy, means? 
class. Sharing the gospel? Okay, so you're saying Paul is joyful because the church is doing the work of sharing the gospel in their city, in their community, amongst their holy hellos? Yes. Okay. That would be partnership. What else? They're living it together. They're living the reality of the gospel in community. That brings them joy. They're living together and they're doing the work of proclaiming the gospel. What, what, what else would be partnership in the gospel? They're ministering to each other, holding each other accountable, and encouraging each other. That's partnership in the gospel. I think you're absolutely right. Um, someone raised a hand. Was that? I see you in the back. Brian! <laughs> okay, yeah. He's in the gospel work. He has no means of income. He's in, he's in jail. He probably can't get food, right? And they partnered with him by providing financially. They're a financial partnership. It's what we do, by the way, when we're supporting people that are called to go as missionaries in places where they can't make money, so we send money to them. That's, we're doing exactly this, and hopefully it's bringing joy. Any, any other thoughts? Yeah. So she said... Um, the, the kind of partnership that comes that we know we're, we're on the same page. We have the same beliefs. We know the same Jesus. We have the same goals. We're on the same mission together. Is that, did I say that right? Oh, thanks, Mary. Okay, well, we can go home now. That was a good sermon, you guys. <laughs> Relationship and prayer. Okay, well, I'm, oh, another one. Yeah, Brianna. He sees the answers of their prayers. And that comes out in the letter. That's absolutely right. Tr Trina, did you have your hand up too? Oh, you were pointing that Brianna, okay. Yes. So the activity of the work of the gospel will include taking care of the needs of the poor and the oppressed, including financially supporting those who don't have enough money to buy food, for example, or, or clothing or housing. Yeah. Yeah, Don. This is Don, by the way, visiting from Colorado Springs. Good to see you and Karen. That's really good. So working together, realizing ah, it's not my church, and it's not their church, and no, it's her church and his church. It's his church, and we're all together under him and his leadership working for him, working for Jesus, which is really powerful when you get a hold of that. It really, sometimes Christians forget that we're not all on the same team. We're on the same team. They forget that we're on the same team, and they act like we're in competition with other, with other brothers and sisters, but we're not. We're part of the same team. Well, you guys are great. So, uh, let me, I'll add a few things, and we'll end at some point. How's that sound? How's that for non-committal? 
So, some of you have been around a while and you've heard the word, a Greek word that's translated fellowship often. In this case, it's translated partnership in the, the New International Version of the Bible. Koinonia. Have any heard the word koinonia? And that's the word that he's using here. And koinonia, um, it, it, the best word probably is fellowship. And some, some of the Bible translations will call this fellowship in the gospel, by the way. Uh, it's it's kind of too limited to just call it fellowship, though, because it means sharing all kinds of sharing. Um, sharing in friendship, being partners in the gospel, like we're reading here, sharing material possessions. Some of you mentioned that. Fellowship in Christ, like we're having right now, uh, like we have in our small groups and we're praying for each other. Fellowship in the Spirit of God together, fellowship with God. Uh, an example would be when John, you'll recognize this verse probably, John, the beloved, the really close friend of Jesus, writes in his letter, We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, koinonia with us, and our fellowship, our koinonia, is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus. We write this to make our joy complete. So there's a sense of um, my fellowship with God and with you and with the Holy Spirit all together makes this, this wonderful, complete experience of fellowship, both in we share meals together and we share needs together and you care for me and I care for you, but we also go on mission together. All that's included in this word koinonia. That's what Paul, and I think by way of example for you and me, says brings him great joy. And I, I probably have written in my Bible right there, I probably circled that and wrote, what brings me joy? And I don't know if you know this, but let me give you a, a secret. You have it in your power to steer your affections. You are not just a victim of which way the wind blows. You can choose what you put your interest toward, what you think about, what you invest in. And when you do, you'll find that your affection goes there with you. you if you don't feel loving, and you know that God says love your neighbor, you can become a person who begins to feel loving by first choosing with your will to do loving acts to your neighbor that you don't feel very loving toward. And before you know it, your feelings will catch up with you. You might not have known that. You can develop joy in partnership in the gospel that you just defined. And I think it would be good for us to do this, based on this example. By putting our intention, our interest, our prayers, our direction, our energy, our money, our time, into partnership in every way that we just described, partnership with the gospel. What's, what's the gospel, by the way? We should talk about that, maybe. The good news, what good news? The good news that, like, the stock market's up? <laughs> Hear the gospel, the stock market's up this week. Ooh, preach it. Ernesto said that you are free from the bondage of your sin due to the sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God. Well, that's good news. Yeah, I think for Paul, it's, it's that and more. I think for Paul, the good, the good news, the gospel, is basically Jesus Christ. Who he is. Who he was. Who he will be. What he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And the effect of his work in our lives. In, you could say it shortly like this. 
The good news is the availability, availability of God's kingdom right now because of Jesus. The availability of God's kingdom right now. So, um, a few thoughts about what is involved in partnership with the gospel that I'll add from the letter. You good? You good over there? I just want to make sure we're all together. It's okay. So, I, I, as I was putting my thoughts down, and there were many, and I had to try to say, which ones should we talk about? Because we could read the whole letter. By the way, you can read this letter in about five minutes. And you might sit down this afternoon and just read Philippians and think about partnership in the gospel, and you'll see that theme popping out at you all through the letter. I did that this morning. Five minutes. So one large area is in the area of mission. And someone said that, I can't remember who. Partnership in the gospel includes proclaiming the gospel of Jesus in word and in deed. Trina talked about that as a community. What gives me joy? So in the 27th verse of the first chapter, Paul's writing, he says these words, whatever happens to you guys, Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or if I have to stay in prison and only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand, listen now, this is mission because of their, the way they behave together. You stand firm as one spirit, contending as one man, unity, for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you, the persecution. And, and I just note there that the character of the community is as important, in Paul's language, as the work of the community. The character of that community is as important as the work of that community. The character of that community is as important as how well they proclaim the truths of Jesus. The character of that community, standing in unity one to another, conducting themselves in a manner carrying themselves in the way they treat each other in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, think of that. If I pick on Samuel, I know Samuel really well, so sometimes I know stuff about him. And if I came over and started to talk to Mark, you know what I heard about Samuel? You're going to like this. I got the scoop. And then I went out and came up in front of you and preached. And preached really good. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. Conduct yourselves together. Don't think of it as conduct yourself wrong. Think of it, conduct yourselves, you in community. When I begin to gossip about my brother, I'm not conducting myself as worthy of the gospel. The character of the community now suffers, so the work of the community is not flowing out of the character of the community. We have a disconnect, and it's no bueno. Es no bueno. Get it? Let me try that again. Get it? Okay, good. Good. Another, another place where he writes this sort of thing, Philippians 2, uh, the 12th verse. Therefore, my dear friends, this is the character of the community. As you've always obeyed, not only my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. By the way, almost always, just stop there. When you've heard that verse as an American, you almost always instinctively think about you 
individually, working out your salvation. But almost always in the New Testament, the word you is plural, and it's talking about the community. You together work out your salvation. You together work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who's at work in you. It's not just you and having good ideas and hearing good sermons and putting them into practice. God's at work in you to will. He gives you the ability to decide to will and then to act out of your will according to his good purpose. Well, how would that look, Paul? I'm glad you asked, he says. And he says in the next sentence, do everything without complaining and arguing. Well, that's, that's easy until you start working in teams. And why? So that you together may become pure and blameless. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. The world around you is crooked and depraved. You are to be different, church of the living God. You've got the Spirit of Christ in you. It's God who's at work in you, both to will and to act according to His good pleasure. So work out your salvation without complaining or arguing. Oh, it's so much better when you take these sentences in context. Without complaining or arguing, so that you can become blameless and pure, children of God. Now watch it switch to mission. In which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. You're not complaining, you're not arguing, you're in a dark place and you're shining like stars in the dark universe because you've worked out your salvation together in fear and trembling and you're loving each other and you're conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel and now together you're proclaiming the truth that Jesus has come, the King of kings, Lord of lords. He's given his life to take care of the problem of sin. He's raised from the dead for our justification and because of that work and the outpoured Spirit of God upon potentially the whole world, all who will believe, because of that, the kingdom, the reign of God is available right now. And you can see it by the way that church gets along with each other, loves each other, and reaches out to their community. And before they've said a word, they've already said a lot. That's mission. Um, and I talked a lot about relations. The next couple of verses that I grabbed were about the overall topic of relationship. So I read one of them. Listen to it again. Uh, partnership in, in the gospel. Partnership in the gospel involves growing in love and unity with each other. It brings joy to Jesus, to Paul, to the community. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That your love may abound more and more. That will help you make choices that are pure and blameless before God. In other words, the beginning of, um, of the second chapter it's all about relationship here. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from His love, any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassionate, then make my joy complete. What's His joy? Joy in the partnership of the gospel. Make that joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. So I think that's what um, maybe Jenny was. No, it wasn't Jenny. It was what Mary said about how they were of one spirit, one mind, one thought, one mission under God, together on purpose. Be of one mind, one spirit, one purpose. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It's just emptiness where you're trying to get some kind of glory. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, 
but the interests of others. In so doing, Paul says, you will make my joy complete. My joy that is just overflowing because of your partnership in the gospel that we've had from the time we started this church. That's what he's saying to them. I think we could say that to any church today. Make, my jo- make the joy of the Lord complete in this. Make the joy of the leaders complete. Make the joy of the community complete because we love each other. We think about each other's needs more than our own. We care for each other. We don't complain, we don't argue, we don't grumble, and together we're becoming blameless and pure. We shine like stars in the dark night in our current generation. There's just so, it's so different that someone that walks in and sees us together goes, there's something different about you. It feels better when I'm with you. What's going on? What's your, what are you smoking and where can I get some? Just trying to make it in our language. Um, a, a third area was, was in prayer. And someone mentioned that. They were praying for his suffering. I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened, I will continue to rejoice, because your prayers, what's happening, will come out to my deliverance. Who's included in partnership in the gospel? Nobody? Everybody? Yeah, that would be everybody. All the people that are calling Jesus Lord. Wait a minute. Do you consider yourself a partner in the gospel? If you don't, Rethink something. It's possible that you come to churches or resources in Christianity thinking, I wonder um, what I'm going to get out of it. Uh, The worship man wasn't so good there, so I'll go to that group. I don't like that preacher. They talk about money too much over there. Um, I'm looking for which group has the best deal. Instead of thinking, I'm a partner with all of them. And when you find a community of faith, a church that you're called to, you think, oh, I'm I'm an equal partner. I mean, as simple as this, today something went wrong with whoever's taking care of the donuts. (laughs) They're not here. Michelle is a partner. (laughs) She didn't grumble and complain, where's the donut lady? (laughs) She said, oh, I'm back there, and she's back there getting powdered on her powdered donuts. <laughs> Why? So, I mean, that's so simple, right? But she thinks of herself as a partner, equal partner, and whatever happened, I don't care, I'll fix it. I'm just going to own it. Well, they ought to do something about that. Well, who's they? It's we. <laughs> all the saints, all the leaders, everyone who follows Jesus, and that's how he opened the letter to all the saints in Christ Jesus, the leaders, the deacons. So I wrote this, to follow, Je- to follow Jesus, to, follow, to choose to follow Jesus, you might get more than you bargained for. So you might want to think twice before deciding to follow Jesus, okay? Because if you decide to follow Jesus, you have just also, in the fine print, entered into partnership with the leaders in the movement of Christ, 
the people that are peers with you, whatever that might mean for you, the people that you're called to serve in leadership. You are partners with all of them. And your joy will be greatly enhanced in that partnership when it's functioning well. So you might not want to follow Jesus. Because you get all of us. Well, you should count the cost. I'm telling the truth. If if you don't just know that that your life will get better and it'll get worse. But it'll get better. But sometimes it'll feel like it got worse. The trials will increase. The attacks will increase. Oh, but the potential for the love of the community will so increase. And it's so wonderful. I think you should follow Jesus. (laughs) But you might not want to if you don't want to partner with me. Because you partner with the whole community. I guess maybe that's important to say, huh? So there's great joy. I'll, I'll land this ship really soon here. I know I feel like the, the donut angst is kicking in. I shouldn't have mentioned the donuts. They're like, get over it so I can go get my coffee. Uh, I thank God every time I remember you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership. Watch this, though. It's also for their joy. He's, he's talking about if he's going to, he's wondering, is he going to be executed or is he going to stay? Is he going to die, which would be great to go to be to heaven, or is He's going to stay and minister. And he says, I think I'm going to remain. I think that's what God has. And I'll continue with all of you. This is a leader's heart. I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, he wants to come as a leader and a preacher of the truth of God's word, an apostle. Through my coming to you, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. What an attitude! Imagine in your partnership with each other, with the people that are leaders, with the partners, people that you are leading in whatever ministry opportunities you have, that your mindset is, I am praying that because I just walked into your life, your joy is going to increase. I have people in my life like that. Okay, so let me just do quickly kind of... um, Maybe what we've said as a reminder, and these are in the end of your notes. What can we learn? Well, I can't follow Jesus independently. I need to be part of a community on mission with Jesus. Secondly, the health and effectiveness of the community that I'm in are completely dependent on the individuals. That's me. Okay. The way I treat you, the way we treat each other, the way we love each other, the way we pray, the way we get about being partners in the mission. We who follow Jesus are called into deep Fellowship with Jesus, with our leaders, with our peers, with those we serve as leaders. A fellowship which demonstrates the availability of God's kingdom now. Oh, this one's good. We can stand up under adversity when we're partners in the gospel.